Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, our text for today's message is taken from our gospel reading from the ninth chapter of St. Luke with an emphasis on these words. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Throughout the season of Epiphany, the Christian church bears witness to the signs, the wonders, and the authoritative teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, which all reveal him plainly to be, as St. Peter himself would put it, the very Christ of God who is coming into the world. Now, consequently, this season is most fittingly described by scholars and theologians alike as a continuous upward and joyous movement throughout our Christian liturgical year. From Bethlehem, at his nativity, we saw the Lord Jesus received by the Gentile Magi from the Far East, acknowledging him to be the King of the Jews, the very one whom the law and the prophets forecasted. We then also heard the praised-filled refrains of Saints Simeon and Anna as they beheld the infant Christ enter the temple in Jerusalem to fulfill the commands of God's law on sinful man's behalf. Now after this, we observed Jesus mature to manhood in the ordinary way as we all do, enlightening, though, the teachers of the law in Jerusalem by revealing the scriptures to them during his adolescence. And at last the day came, the time for his work among us to begin. We witnessed how he was baptized in the river Jordan by his cousin, John the Baptist, and the voice of the Father breaking through the clouds and giving utterance concerning him, this is my beloved Son. With him I am well pleased. Following this mighty sign, he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast, and to be tempted for 40 long days, a trial which no doubt would certainly have bested even the most faithful among us. Yet here, too, the glory of the Christ was revealed, for he did overcome every guile and snare of the tempter, which did sway our forefather Adam to to his demise, revealing Jesus to be the new and perfect Adam. Then, as his ministry commenced, we heard him call the twelve men who would become his apostles. As he did so, he endeared himself to them by the revelation of signs and wonders and miracles of all kind which manifested the fullness of his godhood to them, piece by piece. We saw Jesus turn water into wine at the wedding in Cana. He gave the miraculous catch of fish to Simon and Andrew on the lake of Gennesaret. He healed the sick and made the lame to walk. He renewed the dexterity of the atrophied. And with but a word, he calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee and even raised the dead. By that same voice of command, Jesus Christ drove out demons and pronounced the forgiveness of sins to all who sought him in faith. Up, 
Up and up went the Christ to ever greater heights of glory until this day. The day which we read about in the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 9 and the event which we celebrate this Sunday, the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus. It is here at the, at the climax of Epiphany that the church once again bears witness to the story as Jesus climbs the mount with St. Peter, James, and John to be in communion with his heavenly Father, that his glory is manifested for eyes to behold in a way that his disciples were not ready for. Hear the text again as it says, As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. The fullness of his deity was, in the flash of a moment, revealed plainly for eyes to see in his glorious flesh. Did you hear how St. Luke described that his face was altered? It was alleviated of all the weariness which besets man. And how his clothing became dazzling white, brighter than any bleach could dye them. The dirt and the grime of all his long days of travel and labor were washed away from his countenance in but a brief moment. And did you hear how beholding this entire proceeding were his three apostles, sinful men like you and me, given this glimpse of glory. Bathed in the light of his naked transfiguration, they saw him converse with the prophets Moses and Elijah about heavenly matters beyond their comprehension for this time. They spoke of the forthcoming salvation that this Christ would accomplish for them in their very sight. Now perhaps they thought, if they could even organize their thoughts, we heard how Peter was set on building up tents, but they might have thought that this was the moment. This would be the instance where Jesus would perform his greatest messianic sign, where he would wield his freshly revealed glory to establish a new kingdom at the top of this mount that he would herald in a new and magnificent age for his people Israel, where he would reign among them without end. And they, the twelve, at his side, basking in the splendor which they were now witnessing. What a day. What a crescendo that might have been for this season of Epiphany. But that was not what Jesus talked about with Moses and Elijah. That was not the will of his Father in heaven. For just as throughout this season of Epiphany we saw the Christ move ever up the Mount of Transfiguration, so now, here on this Sunday, comes the turning point where we see him, the same Lord Jesus Christ, come down from this lofty summit. Down into our mortal sinful estate, down into the valley of the shadow of death, down 
to Jerusalem, to the cross, where he would again be lifted up. Not in splendor or in majesty as we see him here this festival day, but rather in agony and humiliation as the Christ is rejected, beaten, and murdered by the very sinners for whom we witnessed him perform such miracles and wonders. Sinners whom he loved. Sinners whom he would save. Indeed, it was for this very reason that the Christ did come down, not to live among us in glory or majesty or luxury as did the kings of old, but rather to offer up his body at Calvary in atonement for all of our transgression. Down from the summit goes the Christ and up to the cross revealing to us who were marked for the death he died a glory unlike any that you or I could ever have imagined. As he said to St. Paul in the second epistle to the church in Corinth, my power is made perfect in weakness. The fullness of his glory is made manifest, not in authoritative decrees, Not in miraculous signs and wonders, not in mighty conquest, not even in his marvelous transfiguration. No, the Christ is glorified in his humility, in his passion and death for our sake. As the church now prepares herself for the season of Lent, we ready ourselves in humble repentance to bear witness to this new glory which is to be revealed to us once more. For the same Jesus who did reveal himself to the disciples on the mount comes down again to serve his church on earth through the humble means of water and word, through bread and wine through the forgiveness of sins which your pastor did pronounce to you in the words of his holy absolution. By all of these seemingly ordinary means, the name of Christ Jesus is glorified in our seeing and hearing. Like the disciples on the mount, we are given a glimpse of the majesty still to be revealed in fullness on the day of his reappearing. But until that day, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let these signs suffice. Suffice to make plain to us what was so hidden to the disciples and the prophets and the teachers of the law. That this Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah, the chosen one of God, who serves his creation in humility and in sacrifice. The voice from the cloud attested to the disciples, This is my beloved Son. This is my chosen one. Listen to Him. Perhaps some of our keen-eared listeners this morning might have noticed that the disciples' response to this great and mighty sign, this voice from the clouds, was not to open their own mouths, but rather to keep silent. This might be puzzling to us. 
but it was because at this time they did not yet understand, for they had not yet seen how this messianic task would be accomplished among them. And so they kept silent. But this is not the case for us. The time for silence is over, and the church must proclaim Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. In this way, the name of our Lord Jesus is magnified by His church on earth, and His glory is revealed again to a new generation who has not heard or seen or understood the love of God shown them through His only begotten Son. This season of Lent, though it may feel like a downward movement for the church, is the time for us to emphasize the necessity of Christ's suffering on our behalf. Because if the Christ is not brought low, then we are not lifted up. If the Christ is not forgiven or convicted, then we are not absolved. If the Christ is not made to suffer and die, then you and I are not raised. Let this be your encouragement throughout this Lenten tide, that Jesus Christ does come down from the summit. He comes down to take up his cross. The Christ lays down his life that he might take it up again. His lowliness and humility among us give to the church the full image of His divine glory. A glory not as the world defines it, but one made manifest by service and sacrifice. Therefore, let the church, the very body of Christ on earth, endeavor to do the same. That we might witness Him in humbling ourselves freely for one another, even as He was humbled for us. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.